Today, Tony and I sit down with Lisa Phillips. She is what I call a hidden gem in the Black community. She's going to tell us about how to earn that extra income, passive income, that could make a huge difference in your family finances. Welcome to Season 4 of Black Family Table Talk. Listen in weekly as we share unique stories that inspire, build, and give voice to the strength of Black families. We are your hosts, Tony and Tony. This week's episode is sponsored by ABTF Travels. Join us for an epic adventure of a lifetime as we host an official delegation of artists and art enthusiasts in Ghana, West Africa. Please refer to our products page at blackfamilytabletalk.com forward slash products for more information. from Lisa? Uh, I was born and raised in Las Vegas in a family. Uh, there were seven kids. I was the sixth, the baby girl. Wow. I didn't realize that until I raised my kids. It, where you are and where you're placed mm. says a lot about how you shape your personality because you actually, you're, you're fending for to be front and center. Ooh, and I believe, <laughs> yes, you become a fighter. Be all of you guys. All but, it's, you. but it's all good. It's yeah. all good. So Tony, you want to introduce our guest? No, you go right ahead. <laughs> so, oh, you going to do that? Okay. Yep. All right. Well, we want to welcome Lisa Phillips. Uh, she is a real estate guru. I won't call you guru. I want you to take that title and move on with it because I've checked you out. You're just doing the darn thing. And I am so proud to call you sister uh, as an African-American woman just doing the thing. Tell us your story, how you got started, what you're doing now, and what you want folks to know about the importance of investing in real estate as they build wealth. You know, that first uh, question about me being uh, from a large family, actually, and where I grew up in Las Vegas, is actually pretty big into it because I grew up in a lower income area. But I was poor but happy, right? A lot of us are, because money isn't necessarily the indicator of your life. And um, being from a large family, I realized I have a bigger sense of tribe and community than most people do. Because we were always the hub where just random people like gravitated towards us because there's seven kids. We know everyone in the neighborhood. Our house was the spot. And you really learn how to just, you feed everybody, you welcome everybody. It's okay for you to be different. And sometimes you can literally come in the house and you don't know who's there. And they're about your brother's age. So you're like, maybe one of my brother's friends. And like, <laughs> don't even question. And it's funny because uh, what I've been building now really goes back to those roots because I am I am so outwardly and proudly for my community and helping my community. I work with black professionals and Hispanics, but like, I'm like, we go into minority neighborhoods. And the reason I really double down on that is because when I went to get real estate investing advice, most of the people giving the advice we're pretty much white male affluent and they have so much generational wealth. They don't even understand the advice they give isn't mm. anywhere near applicable to our communities. Like a big part of their way to raise money is asking a rich uncle or aunt <laughs> or mother or father that it, they honestly, they really, <laughs> okay. And if they're not asking those people, their second piece of advice is ask your friends. They have money. They're just not talking about it. I was like, that's not my community. Okay. <laughs> like, we are first generation. We just don't have money like that. And even if, you know, and even if we do have money like that, like my father is one of those people who lives really frugally. So if you live like that, you save a lot. 
but the mentality is not the same. Like we, I can't, I can't get a thousand out of him. <laughs> That's his money. So we don't even have that, like in our community, we don't necessarily have that, like, okay, let me give you this gift as a bonus to start. And he was a sharecropper's son. And that feeling of like, just holding everything you have to you and not necessarily in reinvesting is part of the psychology. So we really got to know that. Um, and so when they talk about it, they really aren't talking to people like me. And so I was just like, okay, I was in corporate America for about three years. And I was like, I can't do this. I don't want to be a different person. I don't want to pretend to like all of these, this banter and conversation. I'm not a good employee. So I really started looking for a way out. And I did happen through some circumstances upon real estate investing, but the only thing I can afford were um, very low priced homes, you know, under $30,000. And so I'd go to these forums to get advice, like, hey, what about these houses? And they were just like, don't you go, it's horrible. And these people and this and that. And, you know, this is where it goes back to where I was raised because I grew up in an area that was actually really safe, but there were like some areas like, you know, where my cousins lived around the corner that we never went to. <laughs> were fine but um so i know sometimes the whole area is shaded as if it's all really crime ridden and war torn because that is the the media that is the programming that has gone out and don't even think that's not an agenda just like what music and rap music gets promoted is an agenda to keep us from finding out how powerful we really are so there is that in that psyche so i understood when i was getting that feedback i listened to them about what their concerns were but I also knew instinctively in my spirit that, you know, this is the same stuff they said about my neighborhood. And you know what I mean? But like this whole area, because we're all brown and black, we're painted with this one brush. So I listened to their concerns and I was like, well, you can just navigate around this, just do this, this, and this. And that's what I did. And I found that, you know, uh, that you can go into a lower income, working class neighborhood, whatever you're more comfortable with. And, uh, you know, make a discerning choice and find a relatively low cost home in a minority neighborhood, fix it up and have real wealth. And yes, it's $30,000, but that actually starts adding up over time. So if that's what you can start with, we need to start. And the other part that I thought was beautiful about it was that the people who heard my call and would listen, I just went to YouTube and was like, look, y'all missing out. I don't know what they're telling you out there, but this is how you do it. They said the same thing. They're like, I grew up in these neighborhoods. It's not that big a deal. But when I went out there to try to find information, I couldn't from anybody who was mm. an expert. And so uh, they heard the call. And then I found it was a beautiful spiritual circle because like who else should be going in minority black neighborhoods other than black professionals who have the money to reinvest, right? Like and that wasn't, that was ultimately my goal was to have, you know, 10 million in black investors invest in 10 million communities because that's just going to start the growth and reformation of our society. So I did have a big, like, I do want this society to change. Like, I want us to know we can be just as happy. We don't have to follow their way of doing it. But I also saw that it was very beautiful that it was us not asking anyone else, like individually, all on code going back, that was making this change. And I'm really big that we don't need mass society for anything. And actually something happened yesterday and I was talking about, um, so I'm in a cryptocurrency group and everyone in the group, was, uh, we were talking about um, Reddit and I told people, you know, and I invest in like Dogecoin because like the Reddit community of mostly, you know, white male, very libertarian, whatever, they as a community united, got on code and said, this is our coin. It's a funny coin, it's this coin, but we decided this is our thing. 
And I was saying, you know, why can't we, like, I love the unity they show. Can we take some notes and we do it? And the first response out of someone's mouth was like, yeah, but they outnumber us, da, 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 da. And like, I've always been trying to say, it doesn't matter how much they outnumber us. Their numbers don't concern us. Their numbers don't concern us when we go into our neighborhoods. It doesn't matter who or what they are for us building our own. And I realized that it's so programmed in someone's mind to really immediately go, why well, you can't because there's more of us, they have more money versus focusing on that doesn't matter. If we take what we have and focus in, that's all that matters. Like they don't need to live rent free in our heads like that when it comes to making moves. And so that just came up last night. I was like, oh, that's programming. That's that's like an instinctive rewiring to think about them. When I did this, I'm not worried about them. I was trying to get away from them. And so my initial thought was like, what can I do? And I found like, oh, in my own neighborhoods, I can invest. It's low cost because they don't value it the way we do. Well, I value it and slowly and starting to accumulate wealth. And it's funny, it's like, we don't need to worry about what they're doing to make huge changes in our own neighbor. Like, I don't even consider what they do. Honestly, they consider what I, I'm trying to get information out of me at this point. <laughs> like, but like, I don't consider them. And I realize that 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 is some programming and that we need to alleviate because we don't need to worry about them to do what we need to do. Uh, and I, I need to find a better way of saying it, but it's there, it's in our psyches, but we have to like address that. You just said so much. Well, let's go back to the real estate for a second. Investing in low income, our community, so to speak. How do you get started? What are the obstacles? And how did you overcome the obstacles? And where are you now? And what some of the accomplishments you have? Okay, but, so I'll say the first two things to do is find out how you're gonna get the funding. Um, and then second, finding the right market. And notice I didn't say start with the finding a cheap house because that honestly should be like the, the third or fourth thing we look for. Because if you do your foundation right of getting your financing in order first and you do your foundation right of getting the right market, the right market has the right houses and they have a lot of them. And so people like to skip and just see random houses, but like, I'm like, that's a horrible market for this right? Like it, it can't support it. Like the, you're not going to get enough rents. Like you have to really be discerning. And um, so let's talk about finding your funding source. I did it in a very unique way. I didn't have, I had a foreclosure. Um, I had purchased in Las Vegas at the top of the market. Um, and in 2009, I got laid off for the second time and I had to lose the house. So because of that, I had money in my 401k. So when I saw a $13,000 house, I was like, okay, let me go ahead and try to buy this. Right. And it was a very big learning lesson. Um, so I was able to take the money out of my 401k and do that. And in that case, because of the low price, I had about 18,000 and the house was 13,000. I was able to purchase that outright. So that's sort of what got it started because it was all I really can afford. Um, but there's other ways to do this as well. You can get a mortgage. And then at that point, you're just looking at 20% down payment. Okay. So for a $50,000 house, a 20% down payment is $10,000. So it's relatively low amount for someone who has savings. And you don't have to be a black professional. That just tends to who finds me the most. Um, it's anybody can have that amount saved, to be quite honest, and be ready to purchase a home. Um, the other big part is finding a market, right? Because that low-priced home or market is not necessarily where you live. I actually work with mostly people. I, people will call me from D.C., New York, and we'll go over in a strategy session where they're at. And a big part of it I ask is, um, are you okay with travel? It might be a two hour drive like I did and don't even think I didn't do it and it's worth it, right? I'd wake up on Saturday, leave at eight, get there at 10, work the day, come home at five, right? Like it's not that hard to do if you have like that Saturday 
time to invest, right? And um, I tell them that's sort of what it looks like. Um, some of my clients in California, they automatically were, were hopping in a plane, right? So I make sure, like, let's check and see all the low-cost carriers, the Spirit, the Frontiers, the Allegiant. Let's see where they travel to and first try to see if we can find a market there with a direct, really short, cheap flight. So we use all these different types of strategies. And then once we find a market that works, we make sure it has the type of houses we want that we're comfortable with. Because look, I'm okay with a very big range of neighborhoods because I just have a gift of being able to go pretty much anywhere. And even though they look at me a little funny, because uh, I, you know, I don't talk maybe the way they do, I, I still have an ability to go where other people can't. But a lot of people, they're like, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> so that's a little too much crime for me in, in like maybe a, a St. Louis or Baltimore, right? And so a big part of it's like, you shouldn't be uncomfortable there's going to be a point if you continue this long enough, you're going to be comfortable with the wide areas that maybe four years ago you didn't go into. But I was trying to make sure people honor that, like if you're not comfortable, so let's find out where we do go. And for some people, it might be you spend a little bit more money. And instead of finding a house under 30, you're looking at 40 to $60,000 properties. That's still with something that you can afford to invest in um, with the down payment. Uh, but it's it, it's it's that demographic that you're more comfortable with or the crime rates and the crime statistics are a little bit more palatable to you. And I'm actually really big that you honor that because, I mean, this isn't shouldn't be something where you're scared to go or you're embarrassed about telling people. You should be very happy and proud of whatever you ultimately decide on. And I actually have to tell people, don't be greedy. Like, don't go for the cheapest thing, but it causes you all this emotional stress, emotional um, ang angst, you're nervous, you're not sure, like that's not how we build businesses. You should be happy, calm, confident that you did the work. This is for you. And um, yeah, big part telling people not to just take chase cheap dollars. We still have to be discerning. Now, what what's your legal structure when you purchase homes? You do this as a entrepreneur under your name or you create LLCs or how do you go about that? Yeah, that's a pretty funny question because there's so much talk about that. I do it as an LLC. Well, I did one prop. Yeah, LLC um, for the most part. It's the easiest. Um, and I do that for tax purposes more than protection purposes because honestly, the LLC is only, you have to do things a certain way for it to protect you. For instance, you have to make sure all contracts are in the name of the LLC. If it's in your personal name, you bypass all that. And so for tax purposes, it does make things a lot easier and convenient. For getting credit purposes in your name of your business, it makes things easier and convenient. So an LLC or partnership, uh, I do partnership for some of my businesses. I do LLC for others. That is something that you should do it for those two main purposes, taxes and leveraging the business credit. Uh, the funny thing is when people talk about it, there's like companies who may get paid a lot of money to scare you into thinking that you need this so people don't come out of your personal assets. And it's interesting because honestly, just if you have your rental insurance on your property that protects you, and those generally have a million dollar liability, right? They're not going to come after you when you have insurance. Okay. <laughs> like that's silly. Um, and the other thing is requiring them to have renter's insurance is going to protect you way more than an LLC. So I do the LLC for my taxes and the business, but the protection comes from requiring renter's insurance. And you can literally write in the lease. If anything happens, you need to tap into that first. And then if that doesn't settle your claim, tap into mine, but only if, like you can require that. And that's like two layers of protection. Like they're not going to want to come after Lisa unless you get big enough where like you're somebody famous and they think you have assets. Um, I'm not that person. So, <laughs> so that's what you can do. So your tenants have renter's insurance and you have liability uh, I have it on the property. So every property you can get insurance on it. 
Okay. So the property insurance is like an investor, like a rental property insurance policy. And that generally has, you know, medical liability as well as if the structure has some level of damage depending on the policy you get. All right, I just have one other question. Um, your rehab crew, you use local folks or how, how do you manage that? Best to use local. Sometimes you want to use a guy that you know and travel with you. And I understand you're comfortable with their, their work ethic. But the reality is, is that the people locally are going to know certain things and quirks about each house. I had properties in different parts of the country. And like in Virginia, the houses are like this. In Baltimore, the house in Ohio, there were, there were different quirks that you had to get around, right? Like in Pennsylvania, the house just starts to slant to the side. In other places, you're like, you need to fix it. But out there, that's just a very common thing. And this is what you need to navigate around it. And so the local people are going to know the, the houses and because they're pretty much built sort of the same within a city. Um, you have a wide variety, but it's set. And so if you get someone local, they're going to know these are the quirks and this is how we navigate around. Or if you're new, this is, yeah, bring someone else in. You're going to have to figure that out the hard way. So it's always best to get local. I always say I, I spent a low price on acquiring the property. So pay a premium to get good people, especially if you're long distance. So I know you want to get things very inexpensively, but look, you got a thirty-five, dollars $40,000 house, okay? Like get like the contractor who has a really good reputation um, because that's someone who cares about their reputation and they're not going to give crappy work. Like they're already setting, like letting you know they care, they stick by their word. And so that's the one place where I say don't always go for the cheapest, be very discerning. Because, and especially if you're out of state, like a lot of my investors do have to travel an hour, two hours. They're not just right across town. Um, so that's where we put a premium on. I just really wanted to just respond to the whole vision because, you know, I think it can be overwhelming when it's something new to learn. I know you offer courses and guidance and coaching. So let's talk a little bit more about that because you've done the work, you've gotten the information, you've made the mistakes, and you can save people from making mistakes. That's it for this week's episode. But tune in next week as we take an even deeper dive into how you can earn passive income. And if you're interested in getting me in contact with Lisa Phillips, visit our website at blackfamilytabletalk.com. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Black Family Table Talk. We pray that you've gotten some tools to put into your strong Black Family toolbox. And be sure to sign up for a free subscription at blackfamilytabletalk.com. You don't want to miss out on special discounts and product offers reserved exclusively for you from our very own Black-owned business directory. That's blackfamilytabletalk.com. Under Section 107 of the Copyright Act 1976, allowances made for fair use for purposes such as criticism, comments, news reporting, teaching, scholarship, and research. Fair use is a use permitted by copyright statute that may otherwise be infringing. The news and opinions expressed on Black Family Table Talk do not necessarily reflect various platform hosts. All topics are for entertainment purposes only. Discretion is strongly advised and all commentary is alleged. This is a Micah 68 Media LLC production.